My name is Mark Madison, and I am so very proud to have Fujitsu General America as a sponsor. At Fujitsu, they're focused on partnering with the best distributors and contractors to ensure that each Fujitsu heating and cooling system brings infinite comfort to every end user. Paul Kelly bought Parker & Sons in 2004, an HVAC and plumbing company doing business in Phoenix, Arizona. The business has grown from a company with about 25 trucks and $7 million in revenue to over 400 trucks and does $150 million a year in revenue. Parker & Sons is now part of a larger industry group of home services companies called the Wrench Group. Paul serves as its Southwestern CEO along with still overseeing certain departments within Parker & Sons. Welcome, Paul Kelly. Good morning, Mark Madison here. Welcome to On Books and People. We have the privilege of talking yet once again with Mr. Paul Kelly in Arizona. Paul, how are you, sir? I'm doing excellent. How about you? (laughs) I was telling Jason, if I was doing any better, I'd be twins. (laughs) uh, Lately, I've been asking people, uh, what's been great about COVID, you know? This last year, what did you uh, what did you learn, and and what do you appreciate? You know, what are the good things about what happened? So that might be um, a good way to start us off this morning. Yeah, yeah, no, I think there was some good things. Obviously, uh, you know, being uh, confined at home a little bit more, spending more time with family, doing stuff that we haven't done in a while, playing games, board games, different stuff. Uh, not going out as much, I think, uh, I, I think was good. Um, on the business side of the equation, it, uh, it, it certainly propelled a lot of things to break in the home, whether it be air conditioning, plumbing, electrical, with people home more. So it was good on that end as well. So uh, not that I would wish COVID on anyone, but, uh, but, uh, but it hasn't been uh, uh, totally a bad thing, I guess. Right. Well, there's always a silver lining in every dark cloud, right? Right, right. Now, I I was going back over my notes from our last conversation in October of 2018, and uh, I realized there was a series of questions I never asked, so I thought I'd attack those this morning. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, Midwest boy. yeah, I grew up in a, in a large family, a family of 10, eight kids, uh, five, uh, a three-bedroom house, five boys in one bedroom, what? three girls in another. So, uh, and, and one bathroom? And, <laughs> no, no, we had, uh, we had two, uh, two bathrooms. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a crowded house. Uh, none of us we fought over who would eat in the living room while we watched TV because all of us couldn't fit in the kitchen. So there was two of us that always had to eat in the living room. Uh, and so uh, it was always a fight over that because then you got to watch TV while you ate. <laughs> right, that was like a privilege. Right, right. <laughs> the birth of TV dinners, right? Swanson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all the, all the boys, uh, played sports. So uh, you can imagine what that bedroom might have smelled like. Oh, like a locker room. Uh, in, with five boys in one bedroom. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm cringing just thinking about it because we had three and that was bad enough. <laughs> you know, boys are just different, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, what did your parents do? So my dad worked for the utility company. Uh, and then he also did uh, HVAC uh, business on the side. So, you know, during a normal day at work, he, uh, he would be working on furnaces and uh, gas leaks and different stuff like that. And then, uh, and then at night, he, uh, uh, on night and on weekends is when he did uh, some, uh, some work to help uh, people out and and earn a little extra money that way, uh, fixing uh, furnaces uh, primarily. So you uh, grew up in the industry, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you, were you like a helper at 12? <laughs> I, I helped a little bit, but really that, you know, in the beginning when I was younger, that wasn't my passion. And, uh, and, and I was probably, um, of all of the boys anyway, probably the least mechanically inclined. So I wouldn't say I was, uh, I, I helped him a lot that way. Um, I was mostly playing sports and all the boys and, and girls were kind of doing our own thing while he did his. Um, we did learn a lot from him as he worked on stuff and we helped him, you know, a lot, but, uh, but I wouldn't say that was a passion of mine. You matriculated to the financial side, accounting, CPA, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I was, uh, um, I excelled at that mostly because it came easy to me or it seemed like it did. And so, uh, um, you know, some people have a passion for accounting. I, I wouldn't say I had that. It just seemed to come easy. And so I ended up in school uh, on the accounting side of the equation, got my CPA, uh, was doing auditing and accounting stuff for years and years. And then, and then eventually got more into the operate, well, the marketing and then the operations side of the business. Sure. Who were your mentors growing up? Well, I mean, personally, my dad was my mentor, um, just from a work ethic, uh, and, uh, he was always somebody that I aspired to that, uh, that one treated people well, and uh, uh, I learned a lot of life lessons from both him and my mom. Uh, and so I would say, you know, if I if I am who I am today, it's mostly because of those two. Um, and uh, from from uh, really a business standpoint, I had a few mentors. Brian uh, Brum was the CFO of. Uh, of Rotorooter, who I learned a lot from. Bill Griffin was the CEO. They were both mentors uh, of mine in the early days. Um, and then, then Ron Smith, uh, which, uh, which I know you know, uh, was, was a mentor at, uh, at one point, which I learned a lot from. Uh, George Brazil uh, later in life and, uh, and uh, yeah. And then, and then, you know, as we get older, we tend to have even more mentors. Uh, you're a mentor of mine now and I learn a lot from you. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think, uh, the world of uh, you just make me think a little different. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I think that's good. You're too kind. I appreciate that. I'll give you 10 years to stop saying that. <laughs> Uh, my wife used to say that with, with uh, massaging 
her back as she says, or her shoulders, I'll give you, I'll give you two days to stop that, right? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, I have a theory that Ron Smith has a cocoon in his hot tub because he just keeps getting younger. <laughs> yeah, he's I like 130 years old. Yeah, you know? he's, uh, he's certainly, um, he's, you know, uh, very well known in the industry and, uh, and has, uh, has taught a lot of people a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's a, he's a dear friend too. And, and uh, I, just, I just love talking to the guy and I love teasing him too, you know. So uh, he was doing a seminar once and I raised my hand and said, how do I get one of your books? Right? <laughs> he just, he kind of blushed. He said, ladies and gentlemen, that's Mark Madison. He said, he's a rock in my shoe. You know, he said, you can get my books afterwards if you hang around, you know. <laughs> and so that's a nice segue into what books had a big impact on you. You know, I've, uh, um, you know, Think and Grow Rich and um, the, the one thing um, is, is something that uh, that I uh, have read. I. I've read a lot, a lot of books. I don't remember books as well as other people. I remember the, uh, I always remember the, um, the storyline or the lesson within them. Mm -hmm. um, I've probably read hundreds, I, I mean, literally hundreds of business books. They all kind of get gobbled up in my mind uh, together, but I have a library at, at my office and people don't read books anymore as much as they listen to them, I think, but, right. but, uh, but I, I, there were so many books, uh, you name a book, I've probably read it. Uh, you just sent me one recently. Um, and, uh, and I've just started it and, uh, um, I'm looking forward to, uh, learning it. Kelly's book. Is, is that the one? Or uh, what is it? Kelly Scholl's book. The, uh, the, uh, got it right here. Hold on. I lose track. I send books to people all the time, so I can't help myself. No, the Japanese secret to, uh, long oh, life. Ikigai. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Ikigai. Uh, uh, I love that book. I've read it three times. I, I have it by my nightstand. I mean, it's one of those books I read almost every day. So yeah. you're you're in for a treat. It'll blow you away. Yeah. That have you thought good. about writing a book? I have actually. Um, I've uh, I've got kind of the outline of of kind of what I want to do. I'm still kind of formulating it, but yeah, yeah, I'd like to, you know, part of what. I know drives you and certainly drives me as well and others is uh, sharing what you've learned and what you know and uh, and a, a book is a good way to do that and so yeah I do have I do have that on my agenda of something that I want to accomplish uh, here in the next you know two three years and so yeah I'll be I'll be tackling that I'm glad to hear that I you know, back to Ron Smith after I, I poked him in the chest one day at Comfort Check and I said, when are you going to write a book, Ron? He goes, well, I've been thinking about doing that. I said, you got to do more than think. I said, if, <laughs> if, if I can do it, you can do it. I mean, I flung high school English and I have a year of junior college. Come on. Right? <laughs> and so I, I, I kept bugging him. And then finally one day I'm in, uh, I'm in Hawaii and 
I'm working with a, a contractor there and I get an email from him and it was the manuscript and I was so happy. Oh, wow. And once yeah. he got the book out and done, you know, I called him and I said, Hey, the good news is the book is done. Now the bad news is most of the contractors, you know, aren't going to read it. So now you got to go record it on audio. <laughs> and, yeah. and of course he did and you know I, the last time i talked to him he'd sold four hundred thousand copies so wow yeah. yeah no he's the uh um no i think that i think that's something that uh i've thought about for a while um certainly you have a great success with that and sharing in a number of books and uh um I'll probably just take a stab at just one uh, and and uh, see what it uh, leads me. But uh, but no, looking forward to doing it. I think I'll learn a lot in the process of writing it, uh, as much as anybody might get from it. But uh, but looking forward to it. Well, you know, I'm going to help you with that, so I can Appreciate save you. I can save you a lot of time, my friend. Just you know, there's hundreds of hours that you don't need to spend. So we'll we'll talk about that as we go down the road. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. So since 2018, October, a lot's changed. Your company's grown. Oh my gosh. I would have, uh, you know what? I, you know, we, we always had a history of growth, but it seems to be accelerating. And I, I guess things do that on you. But uh, yeah, this last, I'd say the last four years, um, have shown really accelerated growth. Uh, you get as large as we are and you grow, you know, at 20 or 25% and it, uh, <laughs> it adds up real quick. Well, it's kind of a tipping point, isn't it? You've reached critical mass. Yeah. 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 I think so. I think with, uh, with advertising, it's that way with, uh, some internal systems with your customer base. Once they trust you with one service, uh, you start adding a service, it can grow really, really quick. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think we have reached that critical mass where anything we do now is in a big way. There's nothing small we can do anymore. <laughs> right. Well, uh, well, and it's gonna grow no matter what you do now. It's, it, you've created this momentum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, uh, I think I told you uh, not too long ago uh, that uh, you know, we'll hit 150 million in sales this year. And uh, that's, uh, that's at the gross uh, revenue line. And that's a number that I would have not even thought of. Right. For, for a company like ours, especially when I bought it when it was doing 7 million. So it, it, uh, it certainly is a milestone and, and like you said, it seems to be accelerating, uh, even more. So that's so exciting. Riding that wave, right? And it's not just because you're in Arizona, it's because you're doing things right. I mean, when we talked in the past, you said three things were central to your success, hiring great people, uh, growing sales and marketing, constantly working on that. And then you, you thought the most important part was the execution. Yeah. 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 Is that, those, is that still those true? haven't changed? Those haven't changed. Well, you know, when I talk to contractors uh, all over the country, all over the world, really, the first thing they say is we have a hard time finding and keeping good people. So what's your secret? You know, it's, uh, 
it's a matter like anything in life of time, energy, and money. If right. you spend enough time, energy, and money on something, you tend to solve it or it tends to improve or it, you tend to do well in it. So I think that's part of it. We really, we had problems for years and years and we still, we still struggle and we still have challenges, but we're hiring, you know, between turnover and growth, we're hiring 200 people a year. And so it, it, it has become a big part of our business. Uh, one little trick that, uh, that I thought of, and I, I don't know if I thought of it, but it, uh, it certainly, as we did it, it seemed to solve the problem is, um, you've heard me talk about this before, I think, but I, I figured out that we can solve any problem if only we do two things. We meet often enough with the right people. Those are the two things, meet often enough with the right people and you'll solve any problem that you have. And so that's what we did with recruiting. Um, I didn't have all the answers. Uh, you can go to seminars. You certainly have different techniques. We do too now. But all we decided is we were gonna meet often enough with the right people and uh, we met every week. Um, sometimes often enough means means every day even, but it certainly means sometimes uh, once a week. And so we meet every week, we still do. And we talk about what we're struggling with. We come up with plans. You, you won't meet every week and all just stare at each other. You'll come up with a plan. You'll, uh, you'll start executing, you'll hold each other accountable and you'll start doing stuff. And by doing stuff, you end up solving your problems. So. I always tell people if they have any problem in their business or in life, that if you meet often enough with the right people, you'll solve it. God, that's so simple. And yet, isn't it a paraphrase of what Napoleon Hill espoused in Think and Grow Rich in the Mastermind chapter? Yeah, remind me what that was. Well, he says it's, it's a biblical concept where two or more people are gathered in my name, right? Yeah. So when you get two or more people together on a regular basis once or twice a week, uh, the ideas just flow yeah. and the problems get solved, but you have yeah. to meet in a structured way with a common goal. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people will come to me with a problem as, <clears throat> as uh, the other business owners on this call or just, you know, not even owners, managers or whatever. And people want to give you their problems uh, and you solve them for them. And one of the things I ask, early on is, you know, who are you meeting with and how often? Right. And if you're not solving it, um, then maybe you need to meet more often, or maybe you're not inviting the right people to the table. You know, one of the things that I realized, and obviously COVID threw us a little behind, but I realized, you know, that I needed to spend more time with you and, and, uh, and learn from some of the best in our industry. And, I know you're doing the uh, our all company meeting, even though we're doing it virtually. You did that for us this year, and I'm looking forward to uh, rolling that out in January with your presentation. But it when you <clears throat> if if you're having trouble solving something, start bringing some outside help in. Uh, that that uh, there are people that have went through, uh, you know. Uh, stuff that uh, people have challenges with and, and they actually do have answers or, or they know uh, what not to do maybe. 
Right. And, uh, sometimes that's uh, just as valuable. So I think that's uh, an important part of the formula. Well, what to your point, you're getting objectivity and an outside perspective and a fresh set of eyes and maybe some new information. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, you'll be the same person in five years except for two things, books and people, people and books. And, I mean, this podcast is centered around that philosophy. And, uh, you know, as I grew in, in my business, I kept reaching out to mentors. And I was really blessed, Paul, like you. I had, you know, men take me under their wing and say, come on, kid, I'll show you how this works. And years later, I asked one of them just before he died, I said, why me? I mean, you invested all this time and energy with me. And he said, well, you had that, that eye of the tiger. You had that ambition. And you reminded me of me when I was younger. And I thought, wow, what a, what a blessing. And, and now, because I'm old now, right? Oh, I hear and yeah. see that in others, right? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm like a fine wine, right? I'm maturing. I get better with it. <laughs> yeah. like, a, like a mad dog 2020 fine wine, right? Yeah, exactly. That was, that was my uh, drink of choice back in the day. So um, <laughs> 99 cents, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, I think you've, uh, you've done that too. You've, you know, you're committed to education and training, but you're also committed to sharing what you know with other people. And I remember one of the conversations we had, you know, you said, well, why, why would you share what you know? Don't, you're going to let your competition know what you're doing. And you said, I don't worry about that because they're not going to execute. Would you mind talking a little bit about that, about why execution is so important for you? Yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I love sharing because I, I learn in that process as well by sharing. And so part of the joy of sharing is to make somebody else better. And uh, you might think making the competition better is, is a bad thing, but some of my best friends are in this industry. Some of them are here in town in Phoenix and, and uh, we share a lot. And so I think that's an important part of, uh, and you know enjoying life is uh, sharing what you're good at and what you know and and so but uh but yeah um competition normally has trouble implementing and so you know people go to seminars they learn a lot they take notes they and then they go back and they end up doing the same thing over and over again that they've always done or they never have time to implement right uh, implementation is tough um, one of the things that I am pretty good at is trying to take concepts that I learned from others and simplifying them sometimes if they are too complicated, because I'm not very good at implementing some huge complicated, you know, plan or this, uh, this, you know, 10 step way of doing something. I'm more of a, if I can make it simple enough, I can implement it. And so part of the genius, I think, of trainers like yourself is making something so simple right. that, uh, that it becomes easier to implement. And so implementation is everything. Most people can't do that very well. If I teach somebody something or I give away a, what amounts to some people call a secret, even though there are no secrets in this business. Right. Uh, it, it basically uh, gets stalled out, you know, in the implementation phase. And so, right. uh, which is a shame. 
uh, it, uh, but, but that is the toughest part. The ideas are easy. The implementation is, uh, is much, much harder. If the Phoenix Suns are going to make the playoffs this year, it'll be because of defense, free throws, and rebounds. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's Period. Always, it's always the basics, isn't it? Yeah, it's just blocking and tackling, right? It's the fundamentals. Yeah. yeah. And you've, you've mastered that. I mean, going back to what you said earlier, meet often enough with the right people. That's so simple. It's yeah. not easy, but it's really simple. Yeah. Because mm. not meeting is easy to do. It's easy. It's easy not to meet. Well, and by meeting, you end up holding each other accountable. And, right. uh, and sometimes people need that. I know I need that. I need to be held accountable. And, uh, and if you meet often enough, you'll, uh, you won't want to disappoint. If, if you have, you know, a set of things to get done or one thing to get done, you want to make sure that uh, when you're together that, that that thing is done. And so, so by meeting often enough, you end up, you know, it becomes easier to implement things. I'm rereading Arnold Schwarzenegger's book, Total Recall. And I was struck by one simple thing that he did with, a lot of people don't realize Arnold uh, became a millionaire through real estate first. And uh, he had a mail order business with bodybuilding equipment and so on. But, you know, he made his first fortune in, in real estate and, and he had a partner. Uh, it was a gentleman who was gifted at buying and selling real estate and all of Arnold's success in all the different disciplines, um, you know, bodybuilding, acting. Franco was his workout partner in bodybuilding. And he said, you know, I've always found a partner, somebody to, uh, to connect with. One plus one equals ten. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so sometimes the answers are so simple. Yeah. Yeah. If you work out with someone, you, you tend to work out. If you work right. out alone, if you're disciplined enough, it, it can work out, of course. But, but uh, you know, and, and with things virtually now, you know, more and more technology is trying to get you to work out with someone, even though you're not with them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, when I first started working out, I had I always had partners, and it was about me as much about me holding them accountable as was them holding me accountable. Right. You didn't right. want to disappoint them. Yeah. Yeah. What What other advice would you offer contractors? I know you have a you've had a tremendous amount of success, but kind of a um, P.S. Remember this. Yeah, I mean, you can't do everything, so just do one thing well. Uh, Sometimes that's a theme for a whole year. Sometimes that in each department might have their own one thing they're working on, but you know, obviously get better at something every day is a mantra that, uh, that, that I try and do that our company does, but really we, we try and focus on one thing. Um, and so it, uh, I think, I think that's probably the biggest, takeaway that I tell people. I mean, you can make a list of all the things you want to get better at, but uh, just start with, with the most impactful and, and, and put your energy to the one thing that would be the most impactful. Right. You know, we decided a few years ago that, you know, we spent most of our time and money and energy and, uh, and focus was on the service side of the equation. And that, that drove our install department. 
And uh, that meant maintenance agreements and that meant tune-ups and that meant answering the phone. And, but most of your, your energy is directed on the service side of the equation if you're in the home repair business. Right. And yet most of our money was made on the install side. And so we decided mm. to start spending more time on the install side and focusing on it. And, uh, and what you focus on then, you know, ends up improving. And so we, we uh, you know, sometimes when you decide on that one thing or what you're going to focus on, make sure it's a high impactful, uh, you know, thing. Right. And, and so that's what we started doing, spending more time and, and that paid off in spades. Um, you know, What's the 80 20 principle, isn't it? Well, really 90 10, right? Yeah. yeah. 10%. Now, you guys have over 32,000 service agreements. So we obviously did. that worked pretty well for you. We did. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, uh, still does. It's a big part of our business. It continues to grow. Obviously, you know, building fences around your uh, customers so other companies can't get in uh, when they. I love that. That's a great phrase. Building fences. Stay out. Yeah. Yeah. I'll build that wall, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and explain we got this. You, you said to me a couple of weeks ago uh, for 2021, it's we got this. Yeah. So our, our 2020 theme was Can't Stop, Won't Stop. And so uh, there, there was a song attached to it and we really got behind that mantra. It seemed to work so well uh, that uh, this year we changed the theme to uh, we got this or I got this. Uh, it's part of our uh, commercials that uh, that we have and some of our creative. And in the end, you know, it's what customers want. They have a problem and they want to know that, you know, uh, somebody's got this. Uh, right. And it, it can be for employees as well right? And it can be taking care of each other. Um, or if somebody needs off to take care of their mother, hey, don't worry, we got this. It's, uh, it's a great little phrase that, that kind of hit home with us. And uh, it's our theme for 2021. Uh, and which um, will, uh, you'll be surprised uh, as you visit our company, uh, Hopefully COVID uh, allows us to use you more and more this next year and, uh, and have some meetings and so forth. One way or another, we're going to figure out how to do it. But uh, you'll hear that theme from our employees as you, uh, as you spend time with them. We get behind themes and uh, it can be that one thing. And, uh, and, so, and so, yeah, we're, uh, we're excited about, about we got this. It, uh, it's a great theme. It's a great mantra. And it's really a call to arms, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that combines hope and accountability. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a great, a great way to put it. And uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's our theme for uh, 2021. It'll play throughout the year. It'll certainly play into the future years as well. So uh, well, it's your beats. We'll try to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well we've uh we've been in that mode many a time <laughs> gosh i hope we can figure this out for you yeah i've never seen one of these <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
you uh, you do a good job of yawning when you talk. That's oh just... my gosh! Uh, <laughs> I, I remember uh, like it was yesterday. I was a second or third year. I was a second year apprentice, and a journeyman I was working with said, "Do you know the difference between a journeyman and, and an apprentice?" And I said, four years." And he said, "No." An apprentice says, "I'm stuck. I can't figure this out." A journeyman said, "I'll figure it out." Yeah, yeah. He said, it doesn't matter how many years you've been doing it. If, if you right. don't say, I'll figure it out, you're not a journeyman. Yeah, I learned that lesson from a, um, a service manager that we had. He ended up, uh, I helped him. He ended up starting his own business um, in the HVAC. But um, he, I asked him, I said, I said, some people can find a leak, a refrigerant leak, and some people can't. Um, whether it's a coil leak or whatever, and right. uh, some of them are really tough to find. And yeah. I said, I said, what's the secret? And what he told me kind of stuck with me, and it, it really is the secret. He said, you got to want to find it bad enough. Mm. And if you want to find it bad enough, you'll find it. And it was that simple. Uh, and so I think that's the same uh, with anything in business or in life. You, you, you got to want it bad enough, right? You just took a complex strategy and made it really simple. Yeah. You keep doing it, Paul. It's like uh, Nike, just do it. That's so okay. simple. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, uh, I'm, a, I'm a simple person. Uh, I came from a simple family, a simple up, you know, upbringing. And uh, uh, simplicity is, uh, I think, the beauty of, of, you know, a lot of the answers in life. So uh, that's what I look for. That, that's why we like you. Well, thank you. I've worked really hard at taking something complex and making it really simple. You know, and I, I like to use acronyms like ARU, appreciation, respect, and understanding. I mean, everybody wants three things, right? Mm -hmm. There isn't anybody you'll meet that doesn't want to be appreciated, respected, or understood. But, but I took that acronym and I turned it into a question. Are you doing that? A-R-U, right? Really easy to remember. And it's, it's so simple. But if I get off course, it's because I've forgotten that I'm not doing one of those three things. Right, right. That's, I'm uh, reading a book uh, right now called You're Not Listening by Kate Murphy. And it just, it's blown me away. I, you know, I've been teaching active listening for 23 years, but this thing is like, if, if what I teach is algebra, this is, uh, this is calculus and beyond. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's so, it's so good. Well, my friend, uh, I know you have a lot on your plate, and I know this is a the busy time for you. When is, when is this meeting that you're doing in January? What's the actual date? It is uh, January 13th. Okay, so you're going to send me a link so I can participate? Um, you will have a link. You'll be invited. Um, you'll be a big part of our, uh, of our training in 2021, and I'm excited about, I mean, they're, you know, you're uh, familiar with our company, and, and, uh, but, but I, think, I think our people will really enjoy getting to know you this next year and the years after, and uh, we're excited to use this meeting as the kickoff. Uh, one, to introduce you more and, uh, and the theme and kind of set the stage, which I think is important for what 2021 can bring to all of us. And um, it, 
it'll be an exciting year. Not one way or another, we'll, uh, we'll make it that way. Well, I've already told my wife I'm going to Arizona, honey. I might not come back. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we won't we won't try and have you in July. We'll try and have you in uh, you know. in the shoulder seasons. Yeah, yeah the shoulder months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Paul, it's always a joy, my friend. Thank you so much for carving out the time and uh, a a parting thought or comment. Well, one, um, you know, I, as we wind down this year, um, I, my parting thought or comment is to be thankful. Um, mm. You know, we're all, everyone listening to this podcast is uh, alive and, you know, hopefully well. And, uh, and to be thankful for uh, all that, that uh, you know, life uh, gives you, um, God gives you. And, uh, and to use that thankfulness for others uh, and to help others along the way. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's my parting thought. Amen, brother. That's awesome. Thanks so much for making the time. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Fujitsu General America. And like this podcast, they're focused on education and development. From the day they sold their first comfort system in North America, they've been unwavering in their focus on training doesn't matter if it's application, installation, or service. A better trained technician brings better value to the homeowner. So when you're looking for infinite comfort, think Fujitsu. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454, or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day unless you have other plans.